Hey everyone, uh, just want to let you know that the first about six minutes and 30 seconds of this podcast, I do discuss the state of our country and it's just my opinion. And if you want to keep this a completely fantasy football focused podcast, that's fine with me. Just skip forward to about 630, in the show and you will not have to hear my opinion on the situation, but I felt I would be remiss if I did not touch on it just a little bit. All right, let's get into the show. You are listening to The Riding, NFL DFS podcast with Pat James. Welcome, everybody, to the Ride in NFL DFS podcast. Today, we are going to talk rounds five through eight, best ball targets and fades. However, I first do want to touch on you know, everything that's happening in the world. I feel like I would be remiss if I just, you know, kept cranking out best ball podcasts and, and didn't mention it like like it wasn't happening because when you think about it, that is the problem. You know, too many people ignoring the systemic issues that we have in our country. And, you know, I agree. It's wild. It's crazy. Um, but I'll be honest, I feel like it, it's predictable. It, I can't speak for what it's like to be black in America. Um, you know, I've never felt those feelings doing routine activities during routine moments in my life, worrying about uh, brutality or being profiled, etc. I can't speak to that because I don't know what it's like. Um, but what I do know is that many different peaceful protests brought about no change. One great example of that is Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the anthem, basically blackballed out of the profession he was in. So honestly, I mean, this is just a last resort to get the attention of those who can affect change. And one thing that I, you know, I always relate things back to, to my expertise and my experience. And as someone who's been a special education teacher for the last decade, when something like this happens, when a student is absolutely out of control and, you know, is assaulting other students or has some type of tantrum, the focus needs to be on the antecedent, not the behavior. And, you know, that's one of the main tenets of, you know, helping a student with an emotional disability. Um, It's addressing the function of their behavior, right? You don't discipline what it is that caused them to have a tantrum or to clear a desk or flip a desk or slam a door or punch a kid, you find out, you get to the root of the issue, why are they behaving that way? And that's where you need to try to change things, right? So you teach them replacement behaviors, you teach them strategies to cope with their anger. And don't get me wrong here, I'm not saying that we need to teach those that are protesting how to behave. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Instead of focusing on the behavior of the protesters, we need to focus on why it's happening. And we know why, right? The systemic racism within many of the police forces in our country, the systemic racism in the judicial system, the systemic racism in the school system. You know, I teach a professional development course on managing behavior in school communities. And one of the things that we talk about right off the bat, is implicit bias. Most of the teachers that take this course you know, don't think that they are 
partial to a specific race, religion, creed, whatever. And what, you know, a lot of them need to learn or need to hear from myself and the person that I co-teach this professional development class is that, yeah, most likely you are not consciously partial to a race, a religion, a minority group, etc. The issue comes in implicit bias when you have to make snap decisions because there are a lot of factors that don't come into play when you're making a snap decision, right? A student throws a pencil across the room. A student, you catch a student looking at another student's paper. You're going to make a snap decision in that moment. Or, I mean, like you see uh, a student having a intense verbal altercation that looks like it's going to come to blows. Those are the instances where, you know, your implicit unconscious biases come into play. And that's when you have to be most cognizant of of your internal um, and your unconscious thoughts and, and biases. And just knowing the stereotypes that are insinuated against certain minority groups or religious groups, just the fact that they're in the back of your head, that you know how other people characterize them, you know, that could come into play in, in snap decisions that you make um, you know, whether you're a police officer, a teacher, whomever. So I think one of the real, one of the real changes that we need to make is, is on those implicit um, thoughts that everyone has and the, the quick, you know, thoughtless decisions that we have to make. We have to train ourselves to be more impartial with those. So yes, I mean, it is terrible that cities are being burned to the ground and there are definitely bad apples on the streets right now. But the overall message is clear, and we should have listened sooner. So maybe this will start some real change in this country because it sure has gotten everyone's attention. Okay, on to the football portion of our podcast. First, be sure to rate and review the podcast. Leave your Twitter handle or some way to reach you in the description. I will have... Um, giveaways going on. I'm really, I I don't want to give it away, but I'm hoping to have um, probably one of the coolest giveaways that you could have on a podcast. And I don't want to give it away because I'm not 100% sure I can make it happen yet. So I don't want to get anybody, anybody's hopes up, but rate, review, and I'll put you in a drawing to win one of the coolest fantasy football prizes possible. Additionally, drafters.com still crushing drafts over there. I absolutely love the platform. It is a, it's basically taken over as draft for me. Um, I love the interface. I love the settings. You can even create leagues with custom settings to invite your friends. You know, you can make it two QB, 10 flex, whatever. And uh, I just think that's a pretty cool feature. If you decide to go over there and join, deposit using the promo code PAT and you will get a 50% deposit bonus over on drafters.com. All right, rounds five through eight today. Best ball, targets, and fades. In round five, I love myself some DK Metcalf. You know, it pains me a bit that DK is on the Seahawks, a team that loves to run, that, you know, doesn't let really uh, Russell Wilson unleash much at all unless they are in a negative game script. But I do love targeting players who look like they're about to have a breakout year. 
as a rookie. Metcalf flashed in the last part of the season. He had six-plus catches in five of his last seven games and basically took over as the alpha wide receiver on the Seahawks. And I also love the fact that Russ is scrambling upside and his ability to break the pocket, break contain, and keep a play alive. I think that absolutely helped DK Metcalf in the red zone because who's Russ going to look for? He's going to look, once he breaks out of there, he's scrambling around, turning, flipping. He's probably going to throw the ball up to DK Metcalf. Now, maybe if they're at, you know, maybe if they're 70 yards away from the end zone, maybe he fires one to Tyler Lockett. But down close, when he's scrambling around trying to make a play, he's going to lob that ball up to where DK can go over defenders and get it. I love DK Metcalf in round five. My fade in round five is going to be Raheem Mostert. You know, there's a lot of competition for carries in the 49ers backfield. And personally, I like Mostert. If he falls a little bit um, throughout the summer, I will definitely start picking up a little bit of Raheem Mostert. But, you know, he profiles as someone who could be a really productive fantasy back. But the 49ers usage of RBs is just worrisome. Tevin Coleman, Jeff Wilson, Jarek McKinnon, I mean, you don't know how these guys are going to be trotted out there on a week-to-week basis. I mean, Tevin Coleman, everybody thought he was going to be the savior last year. So, and I mean, Jarek McKinnon has got a huge contract, unfortunately got hurt. If he comes back to any picture of health, you know, I think he gets in on the action too. So I just think round five, I would much rather target DK Metcalf um, or a receiver in round five and have gotten my uh, uh, running back one and two before this point in the draft. In round six, I am infatuated with Raheem Mostert's teammate Debo Samuel. I think he's going to take a leap forward in the second year, just like DK Metcalf, and he is going to be the top pass catcher on this 49ers offense. Tremendous run after catchability. I love targeting guys that can turn those slants into 60-yard touchdowns. You know, he led the 49ers in wide receiver targets last year. I don't think that changes. He gets rushes out of the backfield, and it's an opportunity cost thing for me, right? I mean, would you rather, if when I sit down and I look at these lineups, and I know there is merit to building, you know, wide receiver heavy teams in the first few rounds, if if you can hit on some late round running backs. This year, I just feel so much more confident in the running backs that are coming off the board Uh, Because I don't feel confident in the ones that are coming off the board in the 5th and 6th round. For instance, Marlon Mack. I mean, relatively low PPR value. He's going right around where Debo Samuel is. So if I told you, let's look at rounds 1, 2, 5, and 6. Would you rather go Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Raheem Mostert, Marlon Mack? Or would you rather go Alvin Kamara... Austin Eckler, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf. Uh, For me, there's no contest in that. I love the early round running backs, and I love these wide receivers in the mid-round. There are years where I don't think it's plausible. You know, like there are years where I actually love the running backs that are going in rounds four through seven, and then I will, you know, change my strategy. Um, This year, I'm planting my flag on the early running backs. So back to Marlon Mack, though, relatively low PPR value, especially with Naheem Hines coming out of the backfield on third down. And then the elephant in the room is Jonathan Taylor. He's a polished runner, huge college workload. I don't always love rookie running back situations, but I think this is one 
where he usurps the talent that is there in the backfield. Like, you know, Cam Akers. I think Cam Akers is going to take over pretty quickly in St. Louis. I think Taylor's going to take over pretty quickly in Indy. And then guys like J.K. Dobbins and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think, may have to wait a year before they get a stranglehold on their respective backfields. In round seven, this is a perfect example of, of best ball in a nutshell. Will the thrill Fuller? Hopkins is out of there, right? So I, right off the bat, there's like 150 targets up for grabs. Deshaun Watson is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the entire league. I think the absence of Hopkins does ding him a little bit, but I still think that he's going to have boomer bust weeks just like Will Fuller. You know, Will Fuller is going to have five, six weeks where he puts up a solid fantasy score, and then he's going to have like two, three, four weeks where he just blows the doors off of it and has like a 30-burger, 40-burger. And then there's going to be weeks where he probably is either injured or has like five fantasy points, but that's okay because he won't be in your lineup those weeks. Then you have a guy like Jarvis Landry, right? He's coming off injury. He's my fade in round seven. He's more of a possession receiver, although in Cleveland, he was being targeted downfield a bit more. But, you know, Landry's a guy that you can definitely count on for five for 50, but he's not going to have those 30, 40, 50 point weeks at the frequency of a Will Fuller. Um, So that's just best ball in a nutshell right there. I would rather a guy like Will Fuller, who's either going to add 20, 30 points to my rotisserie score at the end of the year, or he's not even going to be in the lineup. Whereas Jarvis Landry is going to maybe crack the lineup more, but with only, you know, 10 to 15 PPR fantasy points. And then in round eight, I like pulling the trigger on my first quarterback in round eight, and I've been getting a lot of Matt Ryan. Number one, I love Dirk Cotter as a coordinator for quarterbacks, um, and I love pairing Ryan with Calvin Ridley, who was one of my favorite targets in round four. Obviously, also Julio Jones is there. I think Hayden Hurst has a breakout year. Um, They've upgraded at running back, I think. You know, I mean, Todd Gurley, Devonta Freeman, maybe some people disagree with me there, but I think Gurley's a good enough receiving running back that there won't be much dip there. And then, you know, Atlanta should be in one of the more pass-heavy teams considering projected game scripts and their offensive scheme. So I really like Matt Ryan there. Um, if I don't get him, you know, Matt Ryan is like the last quarterback that I feel comfortable with if I'm only going to draft two quarterbacks, right? And then maybe a round or two later, I'll pick up a Matt Stafford. I'm fine with rolling out the two Matts for the entire season. You know, if I don't get Ryan and then I have to grab my first quarterback a little bit later, I'm probably going with three in that instance. My build will probably change. I'll probably go with three quarterbacks. Three guys like, you know, a Teddy Bridgewater, Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins trio, something like that. Uh, And then this one's pretty easy for me. The fade in round eight is when the first defense is coming off the board. Please, guys, I know this is something that, uh, you know, you are well aware of but defense is not sticky defensive fantasy points just in general are not uh, something that's sticky year over year the top defenses usually turn over like crazy we saw last year I mean the 49ers um, had been pretty poor defensively up until 
last year, maybe glimpse of glimpses of it the year before, but you know, I mean, the de- the defense is is a position that's never going to give you a zero most likely because it's not like a player that is going to potentially get injured or suspended. So defenses are always going to be contributing at least a few points in that slot. All right, that will do it. A quick recap. In round five, I am targeting DK Metcalf, fading Raheem Mostert. In round six, I am targeting Raheem Mostert's teammate, Debo Samuel, but fading Marlon Mack. In round seven, I'll take the boomer bust proposition of Will Fuller over the steady high floor of Jarvis Landry. And then in round eight, I'm looking to snag my favorite quarterback, uh, Matt Ryan, to pair with Calvin Ridley. And I am avoiding the first defense off the board, which is the 49ers. All right, the plans for the rest of the week. Some more best ball, late round targets, things of that nature. I'm also bringing on John Kelly. Got a ton of great reviews when I had John on last time. We actually did like a 50-minute podcast breaking down UFC that Zoom couldn't friggin' process for some reason. So he had to cut his own little 15-minute clip to get it out in time for the for the fights. Hopefully this week Zoom doesn't mess up and we get this uh, the full breakdown of the UFC DFS card from one of the sharpest MMA DFS guys in the industry, John Kelly. I will... Talk to you in a few days. Until then, stay safe and be kind to one another. You are listening to The Riding, NFL DFS podcast with Pat James.